0: Malachi this morning, and as you're turning there, that's the last book of the Old Testament. So if you don't know where that is, just find Matthew and go to the left a few pages and you'll find it, okay? It's the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Before we read the word, before I get into my message, I want to honor Deputy Lewis today. You might have seen uh, Jacob is a, a canine... Deputy with uh, Chelan County Regional Justice Center here in Wenatchee moved here uh, last September. Him and his wife, Katie, have just plugged right in the church, but he was named this week Deputy of the Year. Jacob, or De- Deputy Lewis, I should call you, will you stand? We want to just say thank you for your service. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of our law enforcement officers. I know someplace here, uh, Don Culp, retired undersheriff for Douglas County, is here. Of course, Kim Schooley spent many years on the Wenatchee Police Department. Um, Some of you remember Reuben Rose uh, from Chelan County. Some of you remember Mike David Duke from Washington State Patrol. Of course, Paul Hughes worshipped here for years and was part of the Wenatchee Police Department. Uh, I'm just so thankful for those who protect our community. Amen? amen well we're glad you're here this morning at Wenatchee First Assembly as you know Wenatchee is known as well a few of you know Wenatchee is the apple capital of the world I don't care what they say in Yakima Wenatchee is the apple capital of the world now, I've never personally worked in an orchard. I've walked through orchards. I've watched other people work. You know, I've talked a lot to orchardists like Charlie back there. That man, he, that guy's an expert on orchards, and he knows all about it. I've never worked in an orchard. But I do know that there's a lot that happens before they can pick the apples or the cherries or the pears. There's a lot of time moving irrigation pipes into rows of trees, thinning out the clusters of apples, thinning out branches so that the fruit will produce bigger and better. There's a lot of work hauling equipment from one place to the next. And I've lived in the valley over 35 years. And I know that there's this remarkable transformation that takes place in our orchards. From right now in January, where it's really, really snowy, until the end of September and October where we see all the apple bins stacked and the fruit is coming in. Because right now, you look at our orchards, you know they look pretty dead. I mean, at least to me, they look pretty dead. But spring will soon be here. And man, those trees are going to begin to show signs of life. From being bare to having leaves on the branches. Blossoms. <laughs> Little tiny apples appear, so small and green and hard as pebbles, and they don't taste very good. But it's all part of a process. Now, we enjoy the apples once they're picked, right? But I want you to understand that there's a lot of work. As the summer wears on, as the fruit begins to grow and ripen, and, you know, the changing colors (laughs) kind of get pinkish, and then pretty soon more red, and then that first frost of the fall, and we all know that right after that first frost, they're going to be a bright red. And eventually, those trees that surround our valley become so full that sometimes they even have to prop up the branches. I think about that often. Jesus said that we should be producing that kind of fruit, that our arms need to be propped up, like they have to prop up the branches with sticks so the branches don't break under the weight of fruit. And then, of course, we know in the fall the harvest comes and the fruit for most of the season is too bitter to eat, but now it's ripe and ready and the team of pickers comes and you've seen it. Thousands and thousands of apples gathering in huge bins. And again, I don't understand that whole process. If you want to know about orchards, talk talk to Charlie or um, talk to Russ or talk to one of our other orchardists. Uh, Steve could, could fill you in on that. But I know that there's a spiritual parallel to what we see in our orchards. In the book of Galatians, Paul gives a promise from God that I just want to give to you. And I know I told you to turn to Malachi, and we'll be there in a moment. But this promise of God is for all of us. It's for the orchardist in the spring when everything's dead. But it's also a promise to us when sometimes we're in those desert areas of life. We don't feel the presence of the Lord. We don't have the desire and the hunger we once did. Our, our you know, passion is is failing us. Galatians 6, 9, wonderful promise. It says, don't become weary in doing good. Just like in April and May when the orchardists are working their tails off and we don't see any fruit and they don't see any fruit. They know they can't be weary in doing what they need to do because the promises for At the proper time, not our time, but God's time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And some of you need to hear this message because you're on that that cliff of giving up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Your harvest is coming. Man, that scripture applies to every one of us today. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. It doesn't matter what situation you might be facing today. In some of your lives, it might seem like February. You know, the, the orchard is full of snow, the branches are bare, and whatever little you have, someone comes and prunes, and it's gone. Don't give up. The harvest is coming For some of you, it might be the August of life. Your branches are about to break from all the weight of the responsibilities you have, all the the opportunities you have. You're overwhelmed with activity, and you think, oh, man, how much longer can I hold on? I want you to know your harvest is coming as well. And some of us are kind of in the middle. We're not in the February of life. We're not in the August of life. We're in the middle. We might be seeing a little progress. Oh, yeah, I see a little change in my son or daughter's behavior. I see a little hope that things are getting better on the job. I see a little progress that I'm not yielding as much to temptation as I once did. We see a little progress, but it's not quite enough yet. And we find ourselves saying, when will I ever be able to reap my harvest? I want you to know your harvest is coming. Your harvest is coming. And no matter what season you're facing right now, the harvest is coming. And the harvest is that abundant blessing of God in every area of your life. And you know what the abundant blessing is? It's not another car, it's another, not another thousand dollars to put in the bank, it's not anything like that. Those things are secondary. The blessing is the peace that passeth all understanding. The blessing is the confidence to know no matter what you're going through, God is with you. He's not against you. The blessing is to be aligned with God and feel his presence in your life every single hour of every single day. The blessing of God is to be a person of hope. Even if you're grieving at the graveside of a loved one, You can still have the blessing of God because of the hope that you have in Jesus. Paul encompassed all that when he said in Galatians chapter 6, don't get weary. So don't get weary, friends. Don't get weary. Your harvest is coming. But I want you to know this harvest principle is not just a New Testament principle. It's an Old Testament principle And that's why I ask you to turn to the book of Malachi. Malachi has so much to say about how to get ready to receive God's blessings. Man, I had so so much positive feedback from my series last fall when we went through the book of Amos. And I got thinking, you know, I really don't preach out of the Old Testament as much as I probably should, so I started looking at other prophets. I thought I'll do maybe some more teaching out of the Old Testament, and I was drawn to Malachi, and this is an entirely different book than Amos was. In fact, unlike all the other prophets, there's nothing in the book of Malachi that mentions Uh, you know, a, a date, or a significant person, or an event. So we really don't know when Malachi was written. And unlike all the other prophets, we don't even know when this book was written. And remember Amos, he was that shepherd. We talked about Amos and and he was from Tekoa, and we studied about the character of Amos. We can't do that with Malachi, because we don't know a thing about him. In fact, Malachi means messenger. So many, many biblical scholars don't even think the guy who wrote the book was necessarily called or named Malachi, but he was the messenger of God's prophecy. So... It was Malachi, meaning this is the message. So it doesn't really matter who wrote it. Not a whole lot is known about who wrote this book. And unlike Amos, where we went through, you know, verse by verse, I'm not going to do that in the month of February. All my messages in February will be from the book of Malachi. Malachi. And I'm calling this Lessons from Malachi. But we're not going to go through verse by verse. It's going to be a little bit different types of teaching. But we'll notice that in the book of Malachi, that consists of four chapters, there's basically six parts. And it's kind of like the harvest principle I just talked about. (laughs) Six parts. God loved Israel. And God loves us. The second part of this prophetic book is Israel dishonored God. Now, if I were to ask for a show of hands, if we were honest, every one of us would have to raise our hand and say, yes, I've dishonored God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God so loved us, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So see the similarities already. God loved Israel. God loves Jerry. He loves you. But Israel dishonored God. I've dishonored God. You've dishonored God. So already we kind of see ourselves in this book of Malachi. And then we see that God does not accept Israel's offerings. See, God's not looking for religiosity. He's not looking for you to go through, you know, a a certain... um, set of hoops that you jump through in order to receive it sometimes we come to God and we think we can either pay God off or we can do certain things who will get us in the favor of God God does not accept those kinds of offerings and because of that the fourth message in Malachi is judgment is coming just like in Amos we talked a lot about that judgment is coming And then, the fifth message, and this is the one we're going to key in on today, is if we return to God and do what he requires, he will make sure the abundant harvest comes. And then the sixth message in the book of Malachi, and we won't get into this a lot, but you'll see uh, even in chapter 3. Even after all that, Israel begins to grumble and complain and gives unfair claims against God. That's our cycle. We know God loves us, we dishonor him, and we try to somehow appease him, and it doesn't work. So finally, we return to him the way that he wants us to. We do what he requires. And then we get lackadaisical, God doesn't answer a prayer the way that we think he should. We get apathetic, and then we start to cycle over. We start saying, well, God, you're not fair. Hmm. As I have read this book multiple times the last month, I thought, man, this is really a book. Even though we don't know who wrote it, even though we don't know when it was written, even though we don't have any times or events, it is a book. That God can use to speak to our hearts this month of February. We don't have to know all the specifics of Malachi. It's a pattern of our lives. It's a serious book. He makes several charges against the people of Israel. It's serious, friends. We knew and I live in willful disobedience to the laws of God. I mean, that's serious business. And we, we need to take it seriously. In the case of Israel during this time period, man, they had married people from other nations, and they had brought pagan gods into their families, into their culture. They'd refused to pay tithe. They talked bad about God. They treated him with disrespect. And yet, they were always asking for his help, much like we are, yet too stubborn to change their ways. Kind of like us sometimes. So Malachi comes along and he has this message for him. These are the areas that you've wandered from the path of righteousness. And he identifies two of them specifically. And the first one is breaking the covenant through injustice. So he talks about injustice to the poor, to the marginalized, to the immigrants, to those that don't look like us and don't fit into our mold, injustice to those that we don't understand. And most of us, if we don't understand another person, then we're fearful of them. And then the second thing he talks about that we'll deal with later is this area of tithing breaking covenant by being injustice and by not tithing. And all through this, you'll see, though, that God in his nature doesn't say, you're bad people. You people are sinners. No, he, he says, I love you so much, I want to pinpoint to you the areas that you've gotten off track. And then I want to show you how to get back on track. Because even in judgment, everything God does in our hearts and our lives is full of grace and mercy. Always. So I believe in the next month as we look into this book of Malachi, man, there will be areas that the Holy Spirit will convict you in. Might be a different area than he convicts me in. But it's not a conviction like it's a condemnation. It's like an invitation saying, here's where you've gotten off track. Why why don't you get back on track so that I can bless you abundantly? And that's the heart of the message of Malachi. Even though we have sinned as Israel did, God is ready to forgive us, to receive us back into fellowship. He is ready to abundantly bless us. And you know what that blessing looks like? In Malachi chapter 4, verse number 2, and this really is not my text, But this is the harvest part, okay? This is what happens if we respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Malachi 4.2, for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and you will frolic like well-fed calves. Think of the green pasture and the calves nurse, and then they have some hay and some grain, and they're so content, and they go out and they frolic, not a care in the world. He'll rise with healing in his wings, and we will be so blessed we will frolic like those well-fed calves. That's the offer that God is giving to us in the month of February an abundance of blessing, an abundance of leaping, an abundance of joy, an abundance of healing. It's ours. He's talking about having the energy and the enthusiasm that we want for living for him, and that's the promise, and that's the harvest. And by his people here, I'm talking about you and me because we are his people. So there's this wonderful phrase that I want to speak about today And it's found in verse 3, verse 7. And it's just one verse that I have selected here. But it encompasses the way back to being in alignment with God's blessings. Malachi 3, 7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Here it is. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Return to me, and I will return to you. Return to me. Reminds me of Jesus holding out his arms and saying, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Come to me. Return to me. What he's saying to us today is we need to think about the direction our life is taking right now. And for some of us, we need to make some mid-course corrections. We need to think about where we're headed right now. And if you're not headed in God's way, he's inviting you to return back to him. Brandt posted something uh, this week that really spoke to me and it really aligns with my message. It was a little meme that said, No matter how long you've traveled in the wrong direction, you always have the option to turn around. Wow, that's exactly a modern-day paraphrase of Malachi 3:7. Return to me and I'll return to you. No matter how long you've traveled in the wrong direction, you always have the option. To turn around and that's the principle that I want to pick up today in this message and I want you first of all to understand that your direction right now will determine your destination. Whatever Charlie's doing out in the orchard right now is going to determine what happens in September and October. See what I mean? whatever direction your life is headed right now will determine your destination. It's a principle you just can't escape. Man, if you get on I-90 and you head east, guess what? You're going to end up in Spokane. I mean, eventually you'll be there because that's the direction you're headed. Maybe you wanted to go to Bellingham. Maybe you wanted to go to Seattle. But if you get on I-90 and go east, if that's the direction you're going, you will arrive in Spokane, whether you want to be there or not. And it's the same way with our lives. We've got to make sure our life is heading in the direction of the destination. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. (laughs) What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. See, that's my destination. But I have to make sure that that's the direction I'm headed in. Next week's the Super Bowl. L.A. Rams will be in the Super Bowl. Back in the late 1960, when they were the L.A. Rams, before they moved to St. Louis, And now they've moved back. But back in the 1960s, they were in L.A., and George Allen was their coach. And George Allen had a sign on his desk that said this, is what I'm doing right now taking me closer to my ultimate goal? Is what you're doing now taking you closer to your ultimate goal. Man, George Allen was constantly evaluating the direction of his actions, of his coaching staff, the decisions they made on the ramps. And we need to do the same thing. Each of us needs to do a little self-evaluation. And I'd encourage you to do that. Ask yourself, or just <laughs> state to yourself, you know, hey, if I continue the path I'm on, where's it going to take me? In your marriage in your relationships, on your job? What about your health? If you continue in the path of your current eating habits, where are you going to end up? But most of all, let's think about our eternal destiny because there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And every one of us will end up in one of those two places. And we get to decide where. Direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. Remember, thank God you can change your direction at any time. So if you've been going the wrong direction for years, God's saying to you, come back. It's not too late. And here's how the... You know, that principle works for most Christians. For many of us, it's not a matter of living some kind of a, you know, prolonged rebellion against God. It's a matter that we take one step forward toward God, and then something happens when we take two steps back. And we find ourselves wandering off the path time and time again. Maybe for a day, but then pretty soon it's for a week, and then pretty soon it's for a month. And the end result is we're not moving consistently in the direction that God's harvest has been promised us. So when God says in Malachi, when God says to us, return to me and I'll return to you, what he's saying is move in my direction. Move in my direction so that I can be present in your life. So that you can experience all that I have for you. So often we are asking God to move toward us. We say, well, God, can't you come over here and bless me in my sin and my rebellion? (laughs) Can't you bless me, Lord? Well, God wants to bless us, but it doesn't work that way. God does not change his nature and his laws and his, his precepts based upon our wishes. We have to move toward God. But when we move toward God, he will move toward us. The principle that direction determines destination is that same principle that I talked about earlier in Galatians 6, 7. Paul also says in Galatians 6, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Oh, you might be able to get away with things for a while without anyone knowing, but God knows. And if that's the direction you're headed, your destination's already set. See, what you plant determines what you grow. We know that. If, if you want apples, you have to plant apples. You can't plant cherries. And the same thing, where, where you end up It's totally dependent upon the direction you're headed. So I just encourage all of us to ask ourselves today, man, what am I sowing? Am I sowing generosity and love and forgiveness? Where am I going? What about the way I treat my spouse? What about the way I speak to my children? Is that taking me in a direction that God's going to be able to bless my family? In my job, am I sowing seeds of success? In my physical life, am I moving the direction of better health? Am I preparing the fields of my life for this harvest? The principle of direction determines destination. Is a principle that we have to tweak every day of our life because it's easy to get off course. So every day we need to make sure that our direction is in the destination that we desire. Second thing, it's not just your direction, it's your daily direction. And I I specifically made this two points because this is where many, many people fail to experience the harvest. It's because one little word, daily. Most of us have a pretty good idea of where we want to end up. We have a pretty good idea of the direction to get there. But we get tripped up because the destination is not just about looking at the right direction. It's about daily progress. Daily progress. It's not enough to be standing on the right road Facing the right direction, you have to be moving down the road. I mean, you can get to I 90 and you can head east, but if your car's not traveling, if you're just sitting on the side of the road and parked, you're not going to get there. Even though you're on the right road, you're facing the right direction. You need daily progress. It's not enough to own a bunch of apple trees. You've got to work the fields, you got to get them ready. You know, you just don't buy an orchard and then expect that you can go out there in four months and there'll be a wonderful harvest. And you don't work the fields just once a month or you don't wait till the middle of August and then say, oh my, I forgot to prune, I better start pruning. Oh, I I should have irrigated, I better start irrigating. You don't do that, it's a daily thing. And it's the same way in our spiritual lives. Return to God. This is not a one-time event. This is something that you and I have to determine every single day. We need to make sure that in every area of our life, friends, we are moving in God's direction. Not just one day a week. I'm glad you're here on Sunday. I'm glad people are watching live stream. But it's not about just getting headed in the right direction on Sundays. This is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Not just every every day, we gotta be moving. If you want your marriage to be blessed, moved in the direction of a God-centered marriage every day. Man, if you wanna be healed, if you wanna be well, move in the direction of good health every single day. If you want God to bless you abundantly in your finances, every day you have to move in the direction of better money management. You want to grow in your Christian life you got to move every day in the direction of spending time alone with God and developing spiritual disciplines and the key to all this is every day your daily direction determines your ultimate destination that's why Paul said don't get weary in doing good for at that proper time you will reap a harvest so direction determines destination Daily direction does matter. And number three, your ultimate destination is always a little bit closer than you think it is. You know, you might only walk a mile on a 10-mile journey, but you're a mile closer. And if you walk another mile the second day, you've only got eight miles to go. See, your ultimate destination is always a little bit closer Than it used to be. Notice what our text says today return to God and I will return to you. Now that's interesting. That tells me that it's not just me having to travel the journey all the way to God, but I have to take the initiative. As I begin to move toward God, He begins to move toward me and actually closes the gap. That's wonderful. James said it in the New Testament this way. You can look it up. James chapter 4, verse 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Two parallel scriptures. Malachi, James. Come near to God, he'll come near to you. When you begin drawing near to God, maybe it's in your devotions. Maybe it's in, you know... Witnessing, just sharing your faith. Uh, maybe it's in giving. Maybe it's in serving. Whatever. But when you begin to draw near Him, He's not going to backpedal. <laughs> he doesn't hide. Have you ever been in a situation that you wanted to talk to someone and you knew they were avoiding you? Because <laughs> the closer you got to them, they always seemed to. Hey, that's not God. You move toward God, he immediately gives you his undivided attention, and he moves toward you. Remember the story of the prodigal son? That teaches us this very principle. The guy had run away from home. He wasted his father's fortune. Then he made a decision to return home, hoping that maybe he could be a servant. Remember what Jesus did? Or taught in Luke chapter 15. Jesus taught, while the prodigal son was still a long way off, that's us, the prodigal son. His father, that's God. that's the symbolism there. His father saw him, was filled with compassion, and he ran to his son. He didn't just even walk out and meet his son. He ran to his son with open arms, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him, and he braced him. And that's what God will do in our lives if we return to him. Just like the Israelites in Malachi. And no matter where you are in that cycle, I encourage you, return to God. He will return to you. As you move in his direction, he will move in your direction. And the harvest of blessing that God has promised... He won't keep pushing it off. He won't postpone it. (laughs) The harvest gets really put on fast forward, fast track. So in conclusion, I just want to say, God has promised all of us a harvest. Now you can think of that as heaven. You can also think of that as answered prayer for your loved one. Maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe it's a financial blessing. God has promised you a harvest. So therefore, let's not grow weary in doing what we need to do daily because in the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. How do you make sure your harvest is coming? You begin by sowing what you want to reap. You begin moving in the direction that you want to go. And you don't just do it once a month, you do it every single day. Every day you move in the direction of your harvest. In your marriage, move your marriage in God's direction. Financially, move your financial priorities in God's direction. If you want to be blessed at work, move your work ethic in God's direction. Now, why do you think Deputy Lewis was honored with deputy of the year. It's because of a work ethic he has that's rooted in the biblical principles of honesty and integrity and going the second mile and overlooking offenses and all that stuff. Every day we move in God's direction, he will move in our direction. So our life will no longer be one step forward, two steps back. Instead, it'll be one step forward and then two steps closer to God's blessings. A lesson from Malachi, the first lesson. (laughs) Your direction determines your destination. Think about that for a moment. How can you apply it in your life, in your home? If you begin practicing this principle every single day, you're just that much closer to the abundant harvest that God has for you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this congregation that I dearly love. And I just want to see 2022 be a year of abundant blessing for them. And God, I realize that I can ask you to bless them But Lord, they have to be in position to receive that blessing. They need to be in alignment that they might experience that harvest. So God, in the next four weeks, as we look into the book of Malachi, I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us. That Lord, that we will realize that no matter how long we have been moving in a certain direction, we can turn around now. We can come home to the Father. We can ask for our sins to be forgiven. We can get our finances in alignment with kingdom principles. We can begin serving our spouse so that we might have a better marriage. We can up our work ethic that we might have more success in the marketplace. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will help each of us to apply this simple message but a message, O oh God, that was intended not just for the Israelites in the day of Malachi, not just for the New Testament apostolic church, but a message that will help us today to experience spiritual blessings, financial blessings, physical blessings, emotional blessings, relational blessings. Give us your power. Give us your strength as we move toward you, knowing that you will give us your full attention and you will run toward us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, let everyone say Amen. 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 Let's stand together.